0: Welcome to The PA Is In, the show created by PAs for PAs, where codependency with your supervising physician is a thing of the past. Optimal team practice is the future, and Physician Associate has taken the place of Physician Assistant as the professional title of choice. We are redefining what success as a PA looks like and what it feels like. Here you'll find the tangible, practical things that I use to escape healthcare burnout, the exact mindset shifts, money habits, systems, and processes that I used to become a Unicorn PA with a job that I love, abundant energy, time to spare, and work-optional financial freedom. I'm sharing everything that has helped me to navigate over a decade of PA life with you so that you can live long and prosper. The PA is in, and today we are talking all about the necessity of that N-word, negotiating. Here's what you can expect to hear on this podcast episode. You will learn what networking is and what it isn't, how networking has helped me. Specifically, I'll walk you through my career job by job, strategic move by strategic move, and I'll share how networking has played a part along the way. I will share with you why networking is a necessity and in no way selfish, manipulative, or self-serving. So let's start off with what networking is. Networking is technically defined as the action or process of interacting with others to exchange information and develop professional or social contacts. Now, the action or process of interacting with others to exchange information, I don't think that's what gets us hung up. That's happening all the time. That's you talking to a consultant or a nurse or someone in some other department to make sure that your patient gets what they need. Where we get hung up is this formality of developing professional or social contacts. It feels formal and it feels forced sometimes. A network is actually a group of things that are connected. Whether it's computers or people, that connection and the exchange of information is what makes it a productive network. If networking sounds, well, like something a little bit corporate or something that you'd learn in career 101 back in college, and maybe it feels like something that people who might not look like or act like you do in their career. Maybe it's something that you imagine someone wearing business suits doing or someone in a specific business, finance, marketing role as opposed to a medical role. Then instead of networking, try and think of it as a growing and fostering connections with other people. Instead of that formality of the word networking, aim to focus on connecting deeply and sincerely With those around you what networking isn't we will talk about this in detail later but networking isn't selfish or self-serving networking isn't specifically drug rep dinners a hospital hosted mixer cocktail hour or formal events certainly networking can occur at those events but in my experience a lot of networking happens in hospital cafeterias on Teams calls, walking in from the parking lot, at soccer practice or karate or a kid's birthday party. Anytime when you're around people is an opportunity to network and connect with them. It doesn't have to be so corporate or feel forced or be an organized networking event for you to connect, exchange information with someone, and create a contact that could serve you or them down the road, or might not. It could just be a relationship that you have. It doesn't always have to be that you're looking to connect with someone and you're wondering how it can help you in the future. A little note on connection. Let me put it this way. Networking can occur anytime two people exist together in a room. Truly, you are working to network, connect, and build a rapport with your patients all day, every day. Regardless of your practice setting, from the highest acuity and fast paced inpatient teams running the critical care unit, to the adrenaline junkies staffing the emergency department, to the providers in specialties with more time and obvious opportunity for connection and maybe longer visit durations like palliative care. Anytime you walk into a room with a patient or a patient's family member, it's an opportunity to connect and establish a relationship and exchange information. Certainly that's a different type of connection than with the chief of your division or the lead PA in your department, but networking is a set of skills that you already have in your wheelhouse because you, my friend, are connecting with your patients and their family members, building rapport, exchanging information, and building those connections all day, every day. Now, when we look at it from a professional standpoint, networking usually involves meeting new people who share our profession, who work in our industry, or who have similar interests or maybe are in the same specialty. Networking involves exchanging ideas and information between yourself and these individuals. For me, I find it helpful to think of networking as people helping other people, people being connected with other people people caring about other people. And when you say it like that, networking sounds a lot like relationships as opposed to this formal official thing that you're like, oh, one more professional skill, networking. Networking can happen very organically. It doesn't have to feel forced. So I want to walk you through my career. I will try to keep this uh, walk down memory lane through my 10-year career as a surgery PA brief. And I want to highlight how networking played a part in the jobs that I got and the moves that I made and the strategy that was deployed as I was moving through my career and as I was moving through sort of my professional life. So in 2012, a few months before I graduated from PA school, I was on the hunt for jobs. I had a close relationship with our program's program director. She had actually left the year before, a year before I graduated, but I had kept in touch with her. And at the time I was trying to decide between applying for a postgraduate general surgery fellowship at somewhere like Johns Hopkins or getting a job. So I sent her this email asking if she thought I'd be a good candidate for fellowship and seeking her advice and opinion about that choice for me in launching my career. Certainly, I was asking for something in the email, her advice, and an opinion. The email was not me begging her to find a job or asking her to leverage her network on my behalf. She replied, and she encouraged me to head straight for work as a general surgery PA, and she said someone who lived in her neighborhood who had kids her kid's age was an anesthesiologist working at a small community hospital just north of where I was living and where I was in school at the time. This ologist knew a general surgeon uh, who was looking to employ a PA, the first surgery PA that that network would employ, And it turns out that that surgeon turned into my first attending physician. My program director connected me directly with a surgeon. And my first surgeon actually had a daughter-in-law who was a PA, who I think might have actually gone to our program years before, who I didn't personally know. But that connection from my program director's neighbor, who was sedating patients for this surgeon, got me my first job as a general surgery PA worked there for a couple of years. And then I moved from a small community hospital to a large network, still doing general surgery for a one surgeon practice. So a lot about that stayed the same, but changing from a small community hospital to a large network. I got that job just by applying on the internet, saw the job listed, submitted my CV, office manager called me, came in for an interview. And I had decided at the time when I was looking that it was time for me to make a change. I wanted a shorter commute. I had been commuting an hour to get to that small community hospital. And I also saw this opportunity to get plugged into a network with other PAs doing surgery where I wasn't just on an island, just me. (coughs) Excuse me. And I also wanted an opportunity to be not necessarily working in, but adjacent to other subspecialties, and more advanced technology and care. So I was sort of looking to advance my skills, and I saw this network, and I thought, they definitely have more resources, more specialties. That would be a good place for me to continue my career. So I made that move. After working in that gen surge position for several years, that's where I was working when boys three and four of ours were born. It was time to move on. If you've ever worked in a one-surgeon, one-PA practice, there's a lot of personality that goes into that pairing, and it was time. I had outgrown that position. I was really ready to spread my wings, and I felt this need to try my hand at a surgical subspecialty. So at that time, I started looking around the network. And I made a list of all of the surgical subspecialties and acute care services who had a strong inpatient preference. And I wrote down everybody who I knew who worked as PAs or surgeons or office managers or nurses in their office, anyone that I knew that had a pulse that was in their department knew someone in their service line. And what I was doing in making that list of people that I knew or had crossed paths with in the past is I was looking for an in. What I needed was a connection on the inside, right? Someone who I knew, who knew me, who could speak to my skills and be able to tell them that I would be a valuable addition to their team. So we had at the time at this big network, a human resources system where you could search any person's name. So if you knew anyone in that department or service line, you could see who their manager was, who was above them, who was on their team. So I leveraged that heavily when scouting for possible teams to join. So I was looking for what teams already had PAs and NPs on their team that were they were utilizing, what teams had positions listed inside our HR system in an internal listing, what teams were growing. I went so far as to look back through my network email to look for departments that were surgical and were announcing new surgeons joining their teams and moving to the area. Because I knew that 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 meant that they were this growing service line and they would likely need help. So if they had an increased demand and they were onboarding surgeons, I was thinking, hey, that group probably is going to need help in the operating room, which is really where I wanted to focus my time during this phase of my career. So then I moved (laughs) into this process of networking that I like to call strategic socializing. So I had this list of all these specialties. I wrote down my top three specialties and I started showing up where those people were. So it sounds a little bit like stalking, but I would call it aggressive or strategic socializing. I started religiously attending surgical M&M groups to observe these surgeons in their natural habitat. I started raising my hand in rooms where I was, quite frankly, terrified to speak because I had something knowledgeable to say, and I also wanted those surgeons to know who I was and the knowledge and experience that I had. I attended this one Saturday, a six-hour oncology symposium that our network put on that had the three chiefs of my top three surgical subspecialties On my list, they were presenting, and so I knew they would be in attendance at this oncology symposium. So I went, I got my CME, I sat in the audience, I took notes, I was very attentive, I tried to sit up front. When the symposium wrapped, I saw all three of them standing up on stage with some of their other colleagues who were surgeons or team leads or chiefs for other departments within our network. So they were chit-chatting up there, generally just standing around shooting the shit. Now picture this, they are all male surgeons standing in what I would describe as a relatively closed circle. Now a couple of them knew who I was just from passing or from surgical M&Ms or from me low key stalking them (laughs) throughout the network so that I would run into them, see them, and that they would know who I was. But most of them, as my mom would say, didn't know me from Adam. So I walked up onto that stage and I said hi to one of them that I knew, and I kind of made my way into their circle. And I said with as much confidence as I could muster, hi, I'm Tracy Bingaman. I'm an exceptional surgery PA, and I'm looking to move from general surgery into a surgical subspecialty. Who needs a rockstar PA on their team? And then I waited. I used strategic silence, (laughs) and two of them said their AP team was full, they had just hired, they'd need to hire another surgeon before they could grow the PAs on their team. But two of them looked at me, and they looked at each other, and they began discussing what a position on their team would look like. They ultimately started talking about a job-sharing position between Gynonc and Urology, but in the end, Urology was the best place for me. In my position as an inpatient based robotic surgery PA on the urology team, which is the only one they had at the time, was born. Interestingly, they didn't have a job posting for that. So they had just hired for an outpatient position. So they had a job listed, wasn't really the job that I wanted. So they had something listed in the internal postings. But this is my advice don't wait for the job posting opportunity to come up. Raise your hand, get in the room ask for the opportunity to join the team. So in my career, I've held four full-time jobs, and three of the jobs that I've held as a PA haven't ever had a formal job listing. They existed after a discussion from someone else on my behalf or a conversation generated by me, and they were specifically built for me and my skill set. They were designed after the hiring group, organization, team, or physician that I'd be working with realized that they wanted me specifically to join their team, which kind of sounds like I'm bragging, but really actually is a testament to my ability to network effectively, to get people to see my value even before I've worked with them, and for them to know that I would be a key member of their team if they chose to hire me. When it came time in the depths of my burnout to break away from that network and go looking for employment elsewhere... Again, networking played a major role in that move. 18 months before I left the network, I can remember so clearly. It was a snowy February day. I was in high gear. I had a massive census of urology patients. I had already rounded, was working on notes, and I needed to touch base with one of my surgeons. So I headed to the PACU to chart and do my notes and stalk him. (laughs) This episode is making me sound very creepy. I just knew where he was going to be. So I wanted to see him when he came out. So I was going to meet up with one of my surgeons there, run the list. I was already on his team, so it didn't really seem like stalking. I was just putting myself in a good position to run into them. So I sat there charting, dictating, making phone calls. I'm running my whole census, waiting for him to finish his cystoscopy stent. And one of the plastic surgery attendings who runs a local private practice with an exceptional reputation in the area that we live Sat down next to me. So I say hello. I knew him because our kids attended the same daycare, um, because my formal general surgery attending operated on Wednesdays, and so did he at the same hospital in the room next to us. So our paths would cross in that setting, either in the OR or in the PACU. And also because I saw him in my role at the time in urology. So we had had a lot of exposure to each other, but nothing formal. We had never worked together. We had never scrubbed together. And it was all kind of socially, tangentially, and in passing. It was hello, goodbye. It was me holding the door for him at our 6.30 a.m. daycare drop-off because we both had to be in the OR by 7. So we would see each other like several times a week for years, So when he turned and asked me, hey, Tracy, what do plastic surgery PAs earn? It took me completely by surprise. So I told him to write down his email and I would send him some information, (laughs) excuse me, from the AAPA salary survey regarding what plastic surgery PAs were earning nationally, what they were earning in Pennsylvania based on experience, blah, blah, blah. So I told him, hey, I have that data. I can send it to you. And I sort of kept working. So I'm working, working. And then a light bulb went off in my mind and he's getting his op note done. And I asked a question that would turn out to change my life and to help me have a great opportunity waiting in the wings when I really burned out and had to quit my job years later, which of course I didn't know. So I turned to him and I asked, why? And he shared with me that he was looking to hire a PA as a contractor to cover his unreferred ER call. So when someone came in with a laceration, unreferred, like not a post-operative patient, um, a laceration in a cosmetically sensitive area, if they requested plastics or if the ER didn't feel comfortable closing it, he would go in and repair the laceration. So, on the spot, I told him he didn't need to look for a plastic surgery PA, that I would do it and that we would work out the details later. And they would have to work around my urology job and all the things. So, like a month later, I started working for him as a 1099 independent contractor. And that was probably a year and a half before my burnout got so bad that I decided to leave the network and that urology position that I was working. So, fast forward. Get super burned out, quit my job. On that day that I finally resigned and could take my first deep breath in months, my first call- phone call was to my husband, Dan, to tell him, hey, I did resign, which we had absolutely positively talked about before this. And my second phone call was that to that surgeon, that plastic surgeon who had been employing me for 18 months as a subcontractor. And I said, hey, I quit my job today. I'm ready for a full-time position at your office. And he was like, whoa, we're not quite ready. I said, get ready. I'm coming. I started shadowing at their office. I would just go two or three days a week because I was at the time unemployed. And one of his partners at one point was like, you just keep showing up here, but we're not paying you. And I was like, oh, you'll be paying me soon. And six weeks later, I walked in for my first day at work. um, And I've been there ever since. That is the job that I did today. (laughs) So... Here that is my experience with networking and I those relationships were not me being manipulative or self-serving or selfish or like conniving they were just me leveraging the establishing the established relationships that I had with the people in positions who could help me as I navigated throughout my career. So here is why networking is a necessity. So first of all, there is a ton of research that shows that networking leads to more job opportunities, that effective networking increases your knowledge of your subject matter, in your specialty, and of the profession in general, and that you will end up with a knowledge base that is more broad and more deep than if you are not a networker. If you network effectively, you'll have a better ability to innovate, and you will end up with faster advancements of technology and in your profession or specialty. Networking is essential in medicine. It is not just for business. It is not just for finance or marketing or any of those things. No matter how big of a city, how small of a town, whether you work in a private practice or a massive multi-specialty group or this huge multi-hospital network, the family and the network in medicine is so relatively small and interconnected. It's like six degrees to Kevin Bacon kind of connected. Everyone knows someone who might know what you did or how you performed at your previous job. So wherever you go, your reputation will precede you whenever you go to make a change. When you network, what you do is you take back control of that narrative and you're helping to shape your reputation proactively. Instead of passively sitting around and wondering what people are saying about you and what your reputation is... You are helping them with their opinion of you because of your interactions that you have with them. Now, this is happening every time you pick up the phone and respond to a consult and talk to someone inpatient or coordinate care for someone outpatient. All of those interactions are networking. And you have to invest in those connections. So you can't just wander through life with these relationships. <clears throat> And kind of hope that someday if you call them, they'll help you. So maintaining those relationships, investing in those relationships, and being willing to help others as often as you are willing and ready to ask for help is crucial. Networking is just one of those things that makes people feel a little fake or phony or even manipulative to some degree. So extroverts like me <laughs> might like the social interaction and connection. But for many people, the work networking has this negative connotation. You might feel like networking is that you're sucking up or being self-serving or inauthentic because you're making these connections. But in the back of your mind, you're saying like, Hey, I wonder if this is a connection that I can leverage someday. That's a natural thought that doesn't make you a manipulator. That makes you a wise strategic PA who's planning their career and who's always thinking, Hey, what's next for me? Like, am I moving over? Am I moving up? Am I moving over here? What is the next move? And how can I foster relationships with the people who can help me to get that move? Now, it's not selfish or self-serving because when you have these connections with people and you truly invest in the relationship and you feel that there's this exchange of information, that you have this Um, come, you know, camaraderie and collaboration that you're working with someone. If they picked up the phone and called you and said, Hey, I was thinking about joining your group, or I thought about a job with this, like, do you have any connections or can you help me? If that connection is someone that you would absolutely positively recommend and feel good about, and not feel like, Oh, it's ridiculous that they're asking me this question, I barely know them. The person who, if they called you, you would help them more than likely they would help you too. So this isn't a one way street and building this network is not all about you saying it's about me. How can they help me leveraging it to help your career, but it goes both ways and you can help other people in that networking. It's not all about you. Now, a really great way to get a handle on how you feel about networking is to know more about your personality as a PA. So I have a quiz designed to figure out what type of physician assistant you are. Go to tracybingeman.com type. I will link it in the show notes. It's a super quick quiz, takes 60 seconds, not a ton of your time, and it's going to tell you what your PA catchphrase is with the thing that you're saying and how you sort of move through your day, your life, and your career as a PA, and it's going to give you some more insight into whether you're someone who loves networking or who networking is an area that you can improve going forward in your career. So here is your PA is in tip of the day networking is absolutely a necessity to advance your career as a PA consistently investing in those relationships. Don't be afraid to ask for what you need when you need it. Be generous with helping those around you and intentional with your strategic moves. Your network is not a one-way street. You are willing and able to help those people that you are connected with just as much as they are willing and able to help you. Thank you, as always, for listening to The PA is In. If this episode helped you at all, if this advice helped you to understand that networking is important, even if you feel like it's a weakness of yours, or if it just made you feel like you need to brush off some of those connections in advance of making a move, I am so glad that it is meeting you where you are at and resonating with you at this phase and this stage of your career the very best way that you can say thank you to me is to share this episode with a PA colleague of yours. Head to iTunes, leave us five stars and a written review. That way, next time a PA like you is searching for a podcast to help them with things like networking and negotiation, professional development, and self-care, when they come across the PA is in, they know that it is the show for them. Thank you so much for tuning into the show by PAs for PAs, where we help you to design your life so that you can live long and prosper. It's your turn to get inspired, to effectively network, take effective action, and become one of those unicorn PAs who loves their job, has abundant energy, time to spare, and work optional financial freedom. That's all for today. I will see you next week. This PA is out.